Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook Live right now on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Every Monday during the offseason as we gear up and get you ready for all the best in Lions football talk from the most reviewed Lions podcast out there. Yes, we crossed 600 reviews and we'll probably read some more later on in the show. Uh, I am Chris Perfett, the adequate and very tired host. I feel like being tired right now makes me adequate. I've started my day early, but you know what? What fires me up? You know what gets me out of bed? What, what's my enthusiasms? Lions football. That's some, right. might dis, some might disagree with that, Jeremy. Jeremy Reisman, <laughs> fearless leader at Detroit Online. I'm over at, at Chris Perfett. I might have said that already. Some would disagree with that, that my enthusiasms are the Detroit Lions. But hey, hey, the proof is in the pudding. You're here, right? We have to do. We do this every week. We do. Sometimes right. multiple. You're, you're playing through sleep deprivation. I'm playing through injury. That's how much we care about this I, thing. I, I was going to say, I felt like we are, we are probably going to have to start this entire conversation just talking <laughs> about your finger, right? <laughs> I suppose if, uh, if people want to uh, for the live stream there, yeah. there it is in all of its bandaged Jeremy, glory. Jeremy, Jeremy uh, does basically Ren Fair, but it's a baseball, yeah. even though he hates baseball. And uh, long story short, um, you got you 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 learn very quickly the dangers of playing baseball without gloves as they did back in the 19th century. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I do some uh, historic baseball is what they call it at the Henry Ford Museum uh, at Greenfield Village. Uh, this was my second year doing it, and I took a a very hard throw from the outfield right off the pinky, and it was not pretty. A couple stitches later, a res- reset later, I'm still here, and uh, yeah. I think that's probably the end of my baseball career. Unfortunately, though, well, if a pinky, if a pink, if you don't die from a pinky, nothing could kill you. That's a good point. I'm, I'm going to say this, this seems to be a, a theme. I was going to say, Mr. what's the opposite of Mr. Glass? Who's there's like, Oh, you're talking superhero. about breakable. You're yeah, really, yeah, yeah. You're really dating us by breaking out M night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's that's an old it, movie. Now it's a Marvel thing though. Right? Like, isn't that a superhero? No, I don't know. no, no. I thought you were doing Unbreakable. Um, I was, man. I was going to say, a lot of POD guys seem to just mess up their pinkies. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Eric, Eric last season, at about this exact same time, had it. So he's been he's been yeah. warning me, really. Whereas year, most people I, are like, oh, you're going to be fine. It'll be fine. Like, Eric's like, dude, you you got like 10 months of of rehab ahead. Not not quite that much, but he's he's very concerned for me, which I I mean, not exactly the way, the way the way trends are going, it means that probably sometime next year before the season, I'm going to have one of my pinkies chopped off by the Yakuza. So. <laughs> no, I, I'm eager to hear that story. It's going to be a lot more entertaining than I couldn't yeah. catch a, a throw from the outfield. I'm, I'm uh, going to star in the season season two of Tokyo Vice. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> in the place of Jake Adelstein. Anyway, we're here to talk about Lions football and not um, not 
grievous bodily harm. But speaking of grievous bodily harm, football, American football. Um, this is a good time of the year. We are gearing up for ListCast very soon. It is a time where we get to sit and reflect. And that meant that while I was busy with work, Jeremy wanted to just go back through the roster again. And I'm, I'm all there with him looking yeah. at the off season workout. It's we're, we, we don't get bubble talk yet. We don't get bubble talk yet. This is pre bubble talk. Cause we're very <laughs> eager for bubble talk. Yeah. I mean, we, we got our first look over the past month, kind of where the roster stands, where the players stand, you know, in, in terms of where they're repping and things like that. And I think some perception has changed, especially because last week, or, or maybe it was a week before we got all the position coaches to talk, which means we got their mm-hmm. initial impressions of, of a lot of different players. And so, yeah, I, I, I think I want to kind of go through each position and, and talk about where the roster stands, where maybe those training camp battles are coming up are going to be and um, you know, how, how the roster construction will, will play out come September. And I think that uh, some of these positions will go through a little more in depth than others, just because there are some very, keyed in positions that I'm really, I'm really interested to talk. And um, I feel like as always, we got to start at the very beginning with quarterback. Yeah. We're going to start on offense. We'll see. We'll see. This might go three segments. This might go two. We do have a mailbag if we only go two, but I do want to start with quarterback. And I guess this starts with a question to you, Jeremy, on how confident are you with the year two jump? It's been, I think people have kind of like taken it for a given on Jared Goff. If you believe in Jared Goff enough, you think he's just going to continue where he left off in December. If you don't, you think he'll regress back down to it. Um, I'm fascinated with what Jared Goff will be in 2022. I don't really have a strong stance one way or another right now. What I think Jared Goff will be, I don't think that's fair to form any of that before the first game. Cause I want to, I just, you know, I have a motto now, bring the balls out. I want to see, I want to see how he is in like live fire. Right. And you know, practice is fine. It's not live fire. And Jared Goff has struggled struggles under live fire, but it, I mean, this is an offense that is billed as being more conducive to who he is that he's more comfortable with. And I think that's worth investigating. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing that we've been saying kind of all off season is like the lions are doing everything that's humanly possible in one off season to get the best out of Jared Goff, whether it's surrounding him with um, healthy receivers um, or, or talented receivers, a healthy offensive line, tailoring the offense to his need. Everything is kind of put in place where Jared Goff is, will, will not be able to use any sort of excuses uh, for his performance. And the question is, you know, what, you know, will he rise to the occasion and what, what is that ceiling? Can he get back to the level that he was at the Rams where he's going to back-to-back Pro Bowls? He's thrown, you know, 38 touchdowns, five, you know, 4,000 yards, all that sort of stuff. Is that possible here in Detroit? Is that even what they're looking for in Detroit um, is, is another question to kind of ask. And you look at his performance so far through OTAs and I know we're talking seven and sevens, no pads, some 11 talking and 11 about practice. It, it's, you can't, you can't project how that's going to look, but the one thing I can do is compare to where he was at this point last season. Cause I did see some of that during OTAs and, and mini camp last year. And, and yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it's completely night and day, but it's pretty close. Um, yeah. He definitely is more confident. He's throwing the ball more accurately. He's, he's definitely pushing the ball downfield a lot more. There, there's a comfortability level with his receivers that we didn't see really until December last year. And he's and had that's some, huge. He's had some private workouts with some of those guys too, which sure. is, which is big. Uh, Mark Brunell, the quarterbacks coach for the lions said that um, 
he has done very well with just the learning, his work ethic. He comes out here and he works. He puts the time in. Very important to him. He has elite arm talent, and it's been fun to watch. I don't think anyone's really talked about Jared Goff having elite arm talent, but I mean, to your point, Jeremy, I think that's that basically we can denounce, we can unravel the coach speak. It basically means that he's putting the ball downfield more, right? Which and is that's something thing, that like, we didn't get. That's something we didn't really get with the Anthony Lynn offense. I think there's a misnomer out there that that he does not have the arm to throw accurately deep, and that's just not really all that accurate. I mean, I think in, in 2017 or 2018, maybe, maybe both, he was like the eighth most accurate deep ball passer. And to, to be fair, that did drop off significantly later, but he also just stopped doing it. Um, his, his yards per attempt is a dot his average depth of target dropped significantly after those two successful years in LA. And so I, the, the, the arm talent is there. I think the, the main thing has always been over the past three years, at least what's between the years there. And that's improved. I wouldn't like, like I said, I don't want to say all those problems are gone. There's still times when he's holding onto the ball frustratingly long, especially in something like seven on sevens where you're, you should be able to get rid of that ball. Um, but it's, it's a lot fewer and far between. And so that alone is, is a big jump in, in where he was from last year and, and reason for, for optimism moving forward. Yeah, I think I think holding on to the ball is just going to be have to be part of the game. It just means the Lions are going to take some stat sacks, but we'll see. Yeah. Maybe as as we get closer to the live fire, he learns how to get the ball out a little bit faster. Uh, do you want to talk? I know this has always caused you trouble in the past. Do you want to <laughs> talk at all about the the backup quarterback position, knowing that someone is going to take your words and just go nuts? <laughs> Um, I, here's the thing. Nothing's really changed. You know, David Blau did have that one really, really good practice. And then really Tim Boyle followed up with a good practice of his own. Um, but then they both stunk on the third day of minicamp. It was kind of weird. Um, but I, I think part of the reason they have looked better is the same reason. Part of reason golf is better is because suddenly the depth chart is a lot better. You know, Trinity, we'll talk about the wide receivers a little bit later, but like, the wide receivers that are repping with the second team are not bad. Like those are guys that might be able to contribute and they're at the level where the wide receiver ones were last year. So, you know, it's kind of a situation where they, they kind of raise each other's level of play. Um, But I think that really the only note here is that I I do feel like that QB two battle is open again Um, because last year, I think it was boils from the get go. It didn't seem the lines were going to give that up. They, you know, maybe they, they played a part and, switching between QB two and QB three during, during training camp. But um, it looked from the get go that it was going to be boil the entire way. And it was this time, I think it's going to be a true battle and and that'll be somewhat interesting if, if you, if you care about the backup quarterback battle, yeah. but I, I think they end up ke- keeping both on the 53 because that's yeah, just I, I was going to operating say it, procedure. It, it's going to be a battle, but I am, I am with you. I'm leaning towards three quarterbacks. And no matter what happens, if Jared Goff has to leave that field, it's not going to go well, yeah. no matter what, whether it's Lauer Boyle. We, we understand both have very low upside to both their games. And yep. It's just uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, I'm going to skip running backs for a second because I we haven't gotten to talk some of the new developments on tight ends on the podcast yet. So uh, tight end two remains open right now. The Lions did bring in Devin Funches, who. Uh, I know he played, did he play tight end at Michigan? And do I have that right? Uh, one year yeah. he played tight end, one wide, year he played wide receiver. One, yes. And he's been playing wide receiver in the NFL since then. However, 
he, uh, you know, for those who didn't follow his history, he kind of, I think he had a injury in, he, he was a COVID opt out and then he had a yep. hamstring injury in 2021. And he was, if I last, if I'm not mistaken, he was last cut from the San Francisco 49ers practice squad. I believe so lions are trying him out. This is hovering somewhere, depending on who you ask, which is rough because we're now talking about a university of Michigan player. If you ask some lions fans, he's hovering between camp body versus someone who has a very good chance to make the roster. But I don't know. I, I guess I lean more towards looking at the roster. I still feel like someone like a Brock, Wright Is probably more of a lock to make that roster, but where, where do you feel like, cause after TJ Hawkinson, it is fairly open for the rest of the tight end depth. Right. Um, Yeah. And and I kind of wonder if maybe this move is we're not ready to put James Mitchell out there yet. Maybe we need an extra body there for, for training camp. Maybe James Mitchell starts on, on pup. He's a guy that I think we thought might be ready for, for mini camp, you know, having suffered that torn torn ACL at the end of September last year. Um, But he wasn't out. I mean, he was out there on the practice field, but wasn't really doing much. Maybe this is just kind of a like, hey, we need an extra body. All of our, I mean, it's not just James Mitchell that that that's missed practice. I think uh, Derek Deese missed basically all of, of OTAs and minicamp, and I think Garrett Griffin was was dealing with a, an injury as well. So they're kind of short on bodies. In terms of the player, though, I mean, Funches, I don't know if he really brings a lot as a two way player. I think he's more of that receiving type, and I think the lines have some guys that are that are already capable of doing that. Um, and, and, and they probably are looking for more well-rounded guys. Brock, Wright, Like you said, I think is one of those guys who, who's a little bit more well-rounded certainly has more snaps at tight end at, at the NFL level than, than Funches does. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say Funches can't win a job, but I think he's going to have to win it. I don't think he's walking into training camp in a spot where he just needs to hold serves, you know, metaphorically speaking. I think, I think he's going to have to show out in training camp and he's going to have to show that he can block. He, he's going to have to show, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't been a tight end in what, like seven years now. I think that's important to point out. Yes. Like this is, this isn't like just, you know, Logan Thomas coming out of college and immediately going from quarterback to tight end. This is kind of a big change. And I know he played, he's played a lot of slot, but there's a lot more blocking expected of you at tight end right now. And I, I agree. I feel like he's coming in after some, some rough, like he, he just, he was kind of rough after, after I believe, uh, like the pan after, after his career with the Panthers, it's kind of been just rough. Like I know he, yeah. he had some, I think he had a, uh, he, he had an injury with the Colts as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a tough ask. I feel like though, to your point, he it's, it's more of a mold that if he was competing with, for being another receiving tight end, I could buy that. But again, as you said, that's not what the team needs right now. Cause they have that in TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. So, and I, I like, and they've got plenty of-, of guys who can play slot, like, uh, among the receiver cores, right? Well. Exactly. And listen, I don't know how many tight ends they're going to keep in, in Eric Tanai's 53 man roster, including if you include Jason Kabinda in the tight end group. We only kept four with it being Hawkinson, Kabinda, Brock Wright, and, and James Mitchell, the rookie. So if that's the case, like we're talking about Funches going up against Brock Wright, Shane Zilstra, and the rest of them for one spot. And that's, and, and, and if the lines are going to use that one spot on, you know, on a reserve, it's going to have to be someone who's well-rounded who can fill multiple roles and play special teams. And so Funches needs to prove that he can do all of that for the first time as a tight end in, in the NFL. Not going yeah. to be easy. Not easy at all. Tight end is not an easy position to, to play. No. 
Uh, let's talk running backs, as I promised. Uh, we're definitely going to have to turn this into maybe three segments. I'm looking at our list here. <laughs> well, um, we can be short on running backs because the one yeah. thing about running backs is you can't really tell anything about running backs in OTAs and minicamp when there's no contact. Yeah, and I'm not ready to sit here and, like, uh, the, there's, there's basically two questions. Who's all in the mix for running back three, which is, like, oh, God, we're going down there to that point. Yeah. And also, like, what do we even think DeAndre Swift is going to be this year. And I think that kind of deserves its own topic probably sometime in the summer. Yeah. I mean, it certainly sounds like the lines are pushing this guy to be a feature, a huge feature in this offense. And I think they wanted to do that last year, but you know, injury kind of hamstrung that um, falling behind in games by 20 points each game uh, hampered that ability to, to kind of feature him as a runner. I just, but I, I, I'm just, ha- I'm, yeah we had that conversation about, you know, Deuce challenging him to, to stay healthy and, and all that sort of stuff. And it really seems like they, they're going to be leaning hard on him. You know, we, you know, the, the talk out of camp was that how much stronger he looks, especially upper body. And so, I mean, that, that sort of stuff, I kind of ignore, I don't best shape of that. That's too best shape of his life for me. Um, (laughs) But based on what the coaches are saying, like, I do think this is a year in which, they they are really really going to try and, and considering that the team's going to be a little bit better and more competitive, he might he's he's going to get the opportunities I think to finally have a breakout year. I can't tell you whether he's going to actually do it or not, but they're, they're going to lean heavily on him this year. Yeah, it's just I'm I maybe I'm just kind of a ner- uh, null to it or numb numb numb. That's the word I was looking for for like twenty minutes. Numb numb. I'm numb to it because it feels like every year we go into the year with the Lions saying they want to feature a, a better running game. <laughs> and every year, year it game? doesn't yeah. happen. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of close. I mean, they ran for 4-4 four, four a carry last year, but um, if you look at the DVOA numbers, they are not quite Yeah, no, pretty. the efficiency was not great. Right. It just it feels like every year we try to tack on a running game. It, and I'm not saying it's just the Campbell era and the Patricia era. It goes back farther than that. <laughs> it goes back. 22 years to the barrier, right? Like get a running like, and I hate to, I hate to use old curses or whatever. It just, I just look at Swift and I just don't see like that elite talent right there. Maybe he breaks out, but right now, like it's still in the show me. Con- it's, it's still in it's what's the show me state. What's the show me state. Ooh, Come on, you don't you remember nickna- you- state nicknames for, for 800. I don't know. <laughs> Missouri. We're still in, we're still in Missouri. You expected me. me to know Missouri's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, thought, I thought with a name like show me state, you would remember that. Yeah. I've heard of that, but the, the last thing I want to say on, on Swift is it does feel like personality wise, we're starting to see a different Deandre Swift. He's starting to open up a little bit. And what that tells me is, is something that probably will come as not a big surprise to anyone, but it tells me that this coaching staff is getting through to him. Um, and that that's important, right? He he's always kind of been a tough nut to crack. He's always been kind of a very quiet, reserved guy, um, which is not surprising under the Matt Patricia era. But it does feel like there's a there's a little bit of brightness to his eyes that 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 we haven't seen before. And I don't want to read too much in that and say like, okay, well now he's going to run for two thousand yards or anything crazy like that. But um, coaching matters, and so I, I think I think they're doing a good job there. And I I'm, I hope I hope all of the positive signs that we've seen in a in May translate in September. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk offensive line wide receivers start working on the defense. And uh, I think the big question for the wide receivers on whether or not we are going to see Jamison Williams start the year and a battle of depth 
as this very loaded wide receiver room tries to uh, sort itself out. But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the Friday Detroit POD cast. Welcome back to the Friday Detroit POD cast trucking along as we kind of have our midsummer review of the roster before we have to really start talking about bubbles anytime soon. The bubble, the bubble. Uh, where'd we leave off, Jeremy? I think we were at wide receivers. Yeah. Let's talk um, some wide receivers. So there's, there's a few, there's a few things we've got to touch on here. Uh, first up, I want to start with your, since you were there, uh, I want to talk on your impressions of uh, DJ shark. We kind of got our first look at him in this yeah. offense. Yeah, no, he kind of slipped right in seamlessly. Um, we, we talked earlier about Jared Goff being comfortable to push it downfield more, and he's been on the receiving end of a lot of that. You know, he's healthy um, coming off that, that, that ankle injury. And, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of what we saw is kind of what we saw toward the end of the season um, last season with, with, with Goff and, and um, yeah, no, I, I just, I think the, the interesting thing about him and it's something he actually said before. Like it was one of the first things he said in his introductory press conference is I don't think the lions view him this way. He certainly doesn't view himself this way. He's not just kind of that deep threat guy. He's not just the guy that stretches the field vertically. They're going to put him in a lot of different situations. Cause remember, this is like a four, three guy. He's very fast, very athletic. And so they're going to use him in a lot of situations, you know, short yardage, get some yak uh, stuff over the middle deep. Like he's a guy that can do it all. And we saw a little bit of everything during OTAs and minicamp. So I think that's a, that's it. maybe because of what else happened with the wide receiver group this off season, something that's been overlooked a little bit, but I think Lions fans should be excited about. No, I think he fills out the roster very well. I think, yeah. um, you know, uh, we, we still have to see if Jamison Williams is going to start the year. Uh, I mean, shark should be able to kind of do a lot of that heavy lifting there. I, I sure. don't know where you're at. Like right now, like it, it, it kind of felt like we'd gone back and forth where we were all very giddy and thought Jamison Williams was going, was going to start the year uh, and be able to play week one. And I don't know if it's trending that way. Do you think he's going to end up on the pup to start the year or what? He's definitely going to be on the pup to start training camp. Like Dan Campbell essentially said that, like he said, I don't expect him to be ready at the start of training camp. So you put him on pup and in case you need a reminder of how pup works, um, you have to start this training camp on pup. If you're not, I'm sorry, if you want to, to put this guy on pup for the regular season, he has to start training camp on, on pup. And the reason you would choose to do that is that pup is basically like an extra IR spot, except it only takes four weeks. Um, Although now IR is also four weeks. The difference here is um, when you're doing cutdowns, someone on PUP does not count against the 53. If you want to put someone on IR and still have them eligible to play uh, this season, you have to first have them make the initial 53 roster and then put them on IR. So back to Jameson Williams. Seems like he's not going to be ready for the regular, the, the start of training camp. You put him on PUP. Um, and yeah, like, I don't know. Since it's only four weeks, I think he probably stays on pup through the regular season. You miss the four weeks. The problem there's two problems with this. One is that he might be ready. Two is that Jamison Williams is ready mentally. Like he, we, we already heard Antoine Randall. I'll say this, like he's got that same inner fire that, that 
we saw out of uh, Amon Ra last year where you're, you have to lock that guy up from, from him, from him taking the field himself. And so it's going to be hard, I, I, but it's, it's the Lions' job to do that and, and to, to really be in his own best interest, um, even if he thinks he's being in his own best interest. Dan Campbell said it, like he needs to build up strength in that leg, and it's not there right now. And so it's right. going to take a while. The bad part about it is if he's on pup, he can't be practicing with the team. So, you know, when he comes back, he's going to be cold, right? Like he won't be in necessarily football shape. He won't have that rapport with Jared Goff. There are a lot of things that are going to, he's going to have to catch up on immediately. And so you'd love to have him ready by at least the beginning of the training camp. Cause at least at that point, like you can start getting him reps with, with Jared Goff and, and maybe, maybe you bench him for the first week or two while he's still kind of developing that chemistry. And then, you know, week three is right. Week four is right. I think that's a possibility, but I think best case scenario for his own good is probably just, just put him on pup for the beginning of the season and, and let him rest up because if, if he's finally himself in week 10, like, great. Like that, that's fine. That's where we didn't lose out on that much. We're okay. And I hate to say it like lions still in the rebuild can take their time. Yeah. Absolutely can take their time. And, and to be honest, it's not like, it's not like we're starting this year and like, there's nobody around like it was last year where suddenly you're leaning on Trinity Benson and, and Khalif Raymond. Right. Which um, speaking of that, that seems to be the other issue coming out right now. And I, man, if I went back to 2021 before the season and said, Hey, next year, Quintez Cephas and Trinity Benson are going to be in, is going to be an upcoming camp battle. I'd be like, you're crazy. (laughs) <laughs> but this is probably showing us how far the stock has fallen on Quintez Cephas that this is even, or maybe it's, it's the, it's the rising importance of Trinity Benson in this offense right now. I know Antoine Randall L um, spoke very glowingly of, uh, of Benson about uh, validating a lot of the confidence he had in, in Benson saying he's not just flashing. It's over and over again. Uh, like, I don't know, Jeremy, like it's, 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 I think it's, I think it's kind of expected at this point. Cephas hasn't really been part of this new offense. I mean, I mean, part of this new regime, really, it's kind of a, the injury came at a very unfortunate time for him, but he's going to have to really fight to earn this roster spot. Yeah. And then, yeah, let's, let's put this all into context too. Like we're talking about wider receiver five and six, whereas last yeah. year, these guys were essentially like two and three. Yeah. Um, and because the, the wide receiver room has completely changed now between Amon Ra <laughs> Uh, J J Mo and uh, who, who's Josh Reynolds too? DJ, D, D, DJ Josh, like it's it's loaded. I haven't even gotten to talk about Khalif Raymond. Right, and I, I would say those four, like Amon Ra, DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, those are locks. J Mo will be a lock when he's healthy. So we're that's already five deep. So we could be talking about wide receiver six here, but considering Jameson, I think is going to start the year on the pup. One of these guys, maybe both, are are going to be on the roster and. Listen, like, but one of them will eventually be cut when he comes back. Yeah, most likely. Uh, and so it, it's 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 going to be a battle regardless. Um, at at some point. And so it's interesting. Like, I I don't want to buy too much in into the Trinity Benson hype, but at the same time, like, all of the excuses he had last year are legit excuses. This is a guy who had never played an NFL down before. He'd just been on the Denver Broncos practice squad, and he comes into Detroit in Week One. Does not get any reps with him in training camp does not get any, you know, catching practices from Jared Goff other than the week of the game. And they ask him to essentially start. 
And of course, well, yeah. And you, you hear him talk. He said, you know, he's basically mentally swimming in it. Like he, he was way behind and the, the wide receiver coach are saying the same thing. So now he's had a full year and yeah, like he's more comfortable out there. He's starting to make plays. He's starting to show off the speed, the agility, the route running that we all thought that he had. And I think people think like, oh, route running's just, you do it the same every time. It doesn't matter what scheme you're in, a route to route. And that's not really true. Like there are certain quarterbacks that like a certain depth to each, you know, uh, each move. There are certain things that, that require a certain amount of tension beyond just the, the route runnings. And so I buy a lot of the excuses of why Trinity Benson was so bad last year. I just don't know how much I buy that he is going to be good enough to make an impact. I think the difference when it comes to choosing between these two for a roster spot is going to come down. What it always comes down to when you're talking about the final five, six, seven guys on the roster and special teams. And I pointed this out on one of our podcasts, Trinity Benson was repping ahead of Quintus Cephas in some special teams drills, specifically as a gunner, Antoine Randall L specifically pointed to Trinity Benson. And, and actually I think it was Dan Campbell talked, talked about his ability to show up on special teams so far through OTAs. Now it's worth pointing out that Cephas has a lot more experience in special teams. He, he's done, he's done it a little bit, whereas Cephas, whereas uh, Benson hasn't done it much at all, but I think the lines see more upside in Benson on special teams. So I think that's where he might have the edge because I do think right now Cephas is the more post receiver. We saw him towards the end of you know, or towards the beginning of the season before his, his broken collarbone, he was starting to come up like that Minnesota game that he got injured. He was playing very well, and he's a very physical receiver, which is something that you can't really say about a lot of these guys, especially as, as you get further deep on the the roster chart here. So I, I think it's going to be a really interesting camp battle, and I know wide receiver five and six might not be the sexiest tra- training camp battle, but it's, it's one that's going to be kind of important when they're making those final roster decisions. No, not much to talk about from the offensive line. We've got to see all five of them together, maybe some questions about backups, but I want to skip over that because I really want to get over to the defense. Okay. Um, I feel like the big story is on linebackers right now. And I know everyone is like, look, I know where fans are right now when it comes to the stock on Jared Davis and James Houston, it's completely in opposite directions, but they're directly competing against each other right now. Yeah. And it was, we talked about it before about how remarkable it was. The Lions signed all of their, I mean, kept on their 53-man roster, all of their draft picks last year, and a number of their UDFAs. And we said that would probably change at some point. And look, James Houston, I think, is incredibly talented. But I feel like people are dismissing the NFL experience that Jared Davis has, and it is a big camp battle. And they're both kind of in there to do the same thing, which is a pass rushing off, uh, play some off ball on the linebacker. Like, I there's, there, there's a lot going on there, and I think Jared Davis, and maybe you can talk about this right now, Jared Davis fit like is a decent fit right now with some of the things they want him to do, and I think, who was it, uh, linebacker coach Kelvin Shepard like, praised Jared Davis and said straight up, like, give JD any challenge. Like, Jared Davis is hungry as hell, and he wants a roster spot, and he doesn't care about your hype for James Houston. Yeah, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, you did a good job of framing it there because, yeah, it is kind of this lineback- off-ball linebacker slash pass rushing role, which really only about three or four players on this roster fit. One of it is Julian Aquara, who I think we assume is going to start in this role, which is essentially like a, a will linebacker, but sometimes hand-in-the-dirt role. 
Um, James Houston is the other one and Jared Davis is, is the other one. The problem with James Houston right now is that it doesn't seem like he's quite excelling at the linebacker aspect of, and and that shouldn't be that surprising, right? Like that's not what he did at Jackson state. We, we all, we, we talked about the video of, of Deion Sanders in that documentary saying to his face, like, if it, if it was going to work for you at linebacker, it would have worked already. You had that opportunity um, already in college and it didn't work out. So we're, we're moving you to edge. And it kind of feels like the lines are starting to move in that direction with, with James Houston as well. Um, they, they, they've been splitting time with the linebackers and the edge, but he's been spending more time with the, with the defensive line. And I think Todd Walsh, the defensive line coach, even said like he's going to spend this week, the entire week here in the defensive line group and both him and Kelvin Shepard basically said the same thing as like, we got to simplify things for him right now. And a lot of times with rookies where you think they might have some versatility, you don't want to put that sort of mental pressure on them right away. Cause that's They're a going like, a huge step up in, in competition. A lot yeah. of that versatility, they just can't do at the next level right away, right away. So you focus the role on one thing. And if I had to guess, they, they might push him into that, that defensive line role full time. Which means well, is there is there even room on that defensive no. line for him? <laughs> I mean, the answer the answer is probably no because you got Hutchinson, you got Josh Pascal, you got Chris Harris, Charles Harris, um, you, you got Julian Okwara playing that part time role, Romeo Okwara who might start the season on pop. We'll see. Right. Um, and then and then Austin Bryant. And so I mean, maybe you can win over Austin Bryant, but it, it, I'm I don't I don't know if they're going to keep five guys, right? Like it, it's, it's going to be tough for James. I, I really think he's going to have to beat out Jared Davis. And the best way he can do that is either flash as a pass rusher, like a big time pass rusher or flash again in special teams. Problem is Jared Davis has versatility. I know everyone who saw him play will say he doesn't have linebacker versatility and point taken, but they're going to use him better. Um, his position coach for God's sake is, is a former teammate of his. Like I, I know, I know Kelvin Shepard will, will say that he's going to play the, the room honest, but there has to be at least a little bit of, he, he knows Jared Davis better. That's just yeah. what it comes down to. He they just play, knows him better. He knows what his together. strengths are. Yeah. Um, and so he knows his strengths. He knows his weakness. He certainly knows that that man is going to leave everything on the practice field, everything on the playing field. And that, that goes a long way. So I know on the surface, you know, we, we put out our 53 and we had Jared Davis over, um, over James Houston. And I, I can't imagine a lot of people enjoyed seeing that, but I think it's a very real possibility, especially with where each player is at right now. And again, like we have to impress this, like this was a seventh round draft pick in James Houston. Like that's not a lot. I think was it six? I'm, I'm, I'm being adequate right now. I apologize. I probably got that wrong, but like either way, we're talking late day three pick. Like those don't always make the roster. And as much as we hype ourselves up about how we think every draft pick is going to sing, that's not always the case. And James Houston has some, unfortunately just in a bad spot right now. I think if anything probably helps him to, with the roster is that if Romeo Aquara starts the season on pop for sure. Now, whether he lasts after Aquara comes back, that is a, that is a big question right there. And, and, and the health of Josh Pascal, which is kind of looming in the background. We don't really know. What, yeah. What's there. But, <laughs> but the one thing I want to add there is like, if, if sixth and seventh rounders aren't making your team, I think that's a sign of a more healthy roster. It is, but I think some fans, once again, just get alert when it's the name there that is, take, right. that is taking that over a sixth, seventh rounder, and that's Jared Davis. And again, I just don't I, – I, I get it. He's just not been in great positions to begin with. I just I, – I do root for Jared Davis to come back, though, and part of that is that 
sometimes that might take the role over someone else, yeah. the position over someone else. And Jared Davis just had a rough go of it. He got asked to do a lot of really dumb things by this past regime. He, he didn't do himself any favors. No, too. he we didn't either. We, he, can't, we can't blame he didn't. the regime. No, I'm not, I'm not blaming but... everything. This isn't, this yeah. isn't a Jeff Okuda situation. Right. But, you know, Jared Davis had struggles and just clearly did not get those straightened out. But, you know, this, what is this year for Jared Davis in the league? Is this year six, I think? Six? Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, we want to talk. We, we've covered most of it. You want to talk the rest of linebackers a little bit? Yeah. Um, I mean, because, yeah, if we, we kind of move away from the edge portion of it, I, I think there's a really interesting battle. Like, the, the most interesting thing, and you can, you can tell me whether you buy this or not, but Kelvin Shepard basically said, like, I know Alex Anzalone's getting all the first team reps. I know he's getting all, like, the, the, the assumptions of being a starter. But, every, you know, he more or less said every single job is up for grabs right now, including the starting jobs. Do you buy that Alex Anzalone is not a set starter in this I defense do, right I, now? I don't. I don't. I think he's set. Like they, they like him as that veteran, that quote unquote veteran presence and everything. Like I know fans like don't like his struggles, but I just feel like he's, he's going to, he's going to be a piece that they're just going to keep there, man. Yeah. Like I, I I don't. And and also just the rest of the linebacker unit, just it's so split down the line. Like I think Chris board is making a bit of a, some bones for himself and Malcolm Rodriguez, the hype train is absolutely going there, but <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know how to suss out everything else. Like, I mean, if I'm thinking about it, we're talking like Anselone board Barnes Rodriguez, and it starts to devolve from there. But like, as I said, I'm not going to be surprised if Sean Dion Hamilton jumps anyone. Here's the thing is it feels like the lines are setting themselves up for a changing of the guard at some point, right? Alex Anzalone is part of that old squad probably not fair to call him old. He's probably like 27 or 28, but, but he came in, up from St. From new Orleans right. to help facilitate Dan Campbell's culture. Right. And, and at some point the lines are going to move on from him. Um, he's only signed to a one year deal. So it, it could be at the end of this year. It could be in the middle of this year. And then I'm not saying, you know, cut him or anything, but I'm saying his job could be taken and that, that would not surprise me. Um, the question is who, because right now, it seems like Anzalone and Chris Border are probably the two set starters. I know, I know Derek Barnes got a bunch of first team reps too, but I still think he's learning on the job. It, it's easy to forget that Derek Barnes only had one year of off ball experience in college. And so last year was in a, you know, a big rookie year for him um, because he was still like, he was still learning the position in college. Now he has to learn it at the NFL level. So that might take a little bit of time. So I think we'll, we'll see some Derek Barnes here. I'm not sure if he enters week one, the starter, but then you mentioned Malcolm Rodriguez and this dude is just impressing every single coach, every single play. Like he's, there's a couple players on this team and, and we'll get to one in a little bit that just stand out amongst the second and third teams as like, they are not going to be here long. They, they are moving on up. And, and Malcolm Rodriguez is one of those. Basically Kelvin Shepard said this, I can teach this guy things that third year players might not grasp. That's how far along he is mentally. And that, that also shouldn't come as a surprise. He played a lot of ball in college, He played a lot, a lot of ball in college. So mentally it's all there, but with a play with, with a position like linebacker, it's a very, very physical position and we don't have the pads on yet. So no. Malcolm Rodriguez is, I think he might have one of the most important 
training camps on the roster. I don't think there's any question he's going to make the team, but could he potentially jump into a, a role on defense in year one? If he balls out in training camp, we know this coaching staff is not afraid to play rookies. And so I keep it in the back of your mind. I think it's unlikely, but I think I would also at this point expect him to find a defensive role by the end of the year. We can move pretty quickly through the last of these, I think, and get this all done and fit in the mailbag. So I want to talk real quick, interior defensive line. I feel like we've got locks across the board for a lot of it. Brockers, McNeil, uh, Anzarike, and um, uh, maybe maybe Hector. I don't know. Like, Deshaun Cornell is is in there too, but it starts to evolve after that. I don't know where you feel on depth because – like yeah. between Bruce Hector, Jishon Cornell, and John Kaminsky, where are we at? <laughs> I'm I'm slightly buying the Jishon Cornell. Just, you can just give me a name. You can just give me a name. Jishon, yeah. listen, he he made a few plays out there and and got some first team reps. So I'm 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 very fascinated by the career of Jishon Cornell, who's dealt with an Achilles, then a, a you know he last year he had the the suspension. I. I'm not, I'd, I'd, I'd buy low on Jashan Cornell. I'd buy some Jashan Cornell stock right now. Okay. I think we can get uh, DBs down in about five minutes. We can try. Okay. So uh, we'll start with the small offer safety. So we've got Walker and Elliot probably locked in as starters. Yeah. Um, where do you feel on Kirby Joseph? Do you feel he's ahead of schedule or where are we? <laughs> it, I mean, if you ask me, it looked like he's still going through a lot. On, on the practice field. Like you could tell the coaches were spending extra time with him um, at, at times yelling at him, but that's, that's the way they coach. Um, so it, it feels like he still got to learn. And again, he's another guy that's very, very new to the position it was only a one year starter at Illinois. So uh, an adjustment period is expected there, but you go ask who was it? Was it Duker? Or was it uh pleasant? I can't remember. One of them said like, He's actually ahead of schedule. He's where where I expected him to be, um, which was kind of surprising to me. I, I yeah, I that would have been Duker. Duker. Yeah, it yeah. was Duker. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, maybe that's coach speak. Maybe that's just him hyping up his guy. But to me, Joseph to me feels like a guy that's a year away from from making an impact on the field. He'll he'll play special teams, um, probably right away, but. I don't see him cracking necessarily the lineup, especially with all the shuffling they're doing at the, at the safety position right now. Like Will Harris can, can fill in in a pinch. Looks like if he, if is going to get some time at safety, we don't know if that's going to stick or not. I think they can wait on Kirby Joseph and kind of treat this as like a, almost a red shirt year for him. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned Will Harris because um, I know Aubrey Pleasant says he views him as a defensive back, which is kind of a cop-out answer. It's basically <laughs> Absolutely like, it yeah, is. well, we'll play We'll play him around. But like, I don't know. I, I think in your notes, you wrote that he looks like he's good at CB question mark is what you have written down here. Um, so it brings us the cornerback, which is a pretty rough, which is a pretty loaded room right now. I mean, we can slot in Okuda and Orwarie. I know the Okuda people doubter people want to, have a say there, but guess what? They're going to start with him because they want to see what he is. And I think and, he will be ready for training camp. Yes. And the nickel job is kind of up in the air right now. I I, I want to say it's probably going to AJ Parker, but nickel's I mean, a whole, like I could spend five oh minutes God. on nickel alone, man. It's, yeah. Well, let, let's, let's stick with, with, but let's, 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 let's go back Will to Harris. Will Harris. Let's talk yeah. on Will Harris before we go to out in left field. Where, where, where are we feeling on, on Will Harris? I mean, they, he has been a coaching darling since he entered the league, which is ironic since 
fans seem to not like him so much and for for good reason. I mean, he hasn't played particularly well at safety, but it's what have you I'm, done for me lately? It's that that's all that it is. is. Yeah, of course. And it's 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 undeniable that dude played well at corner during OTAs and minicamp. And you, you can say, well, the pads aren't on. But if there's one position I feel like you can evaluate pretty well during OTAs and minicamp, it's corners because those corners and wide receivers are having the same kind of battles that they would with or without pads on. And so I don't know, man, filling in for Jeff Okuda on that left side. He he hung with what we we have all collectively agreed is a better wide receiving core. So he's going up against the, the DJ Sharks and the Josh Reynolds, and maybe those aren't you know top tier level guys like he, he'll see uh, you know once the regular season starts. But I'm starting to feel like the Lions have a legit backup corner, which they haven't in a while, and you can't really say that about necessarily some of the other guys on the roster. Jerry Jacobs had a really good off or you know really good rookie season, but how much of that was flash in the pan? How will he look after the torn ACL? Will he be ready for training camp? I don't know if he, like I said, we still kind of un, unboxed at this point. And, and then who else are we talking about at corner that, that you can reliably rely on? No, nope. yeah. I mean, Mike Hughes, maybe a little bit, but again, not a guy with a ton of experience and not, not any good experience at outside corner. So no, um, I think, I think I use the word loaded. I should have said probably crowded is probably crowded, the crowded maybe. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just think like Will Harris right now is standing out as CB three. And I don't mean that as in the, as nickel, I mean, CB three on the outside. Right. You want to talk nickel? Uh, got very, can you, can you wrap it up in a couple minutes or should we just, yeah, well, well, we can. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's go. I, I want to ask about, Melifon Wu, but you, you have your way with nickel. Well, we, we could, we can maybe sneak in some both nickel to me is, is maybe the best starting training camp battle that's ahead because I, I do think it's, it's a three-man race because chase Lucas, he's just like Malcolm Rodriguez, where he is stand a, a late round pick that is standing out for being as smart as he is. And again, it's the same kind of thing where this guy is 25 years old. He played a lot of college football. And so he looks very comfortable in that nickel position does not look like he should be playing with third string guys right now. Um, but I think we entered OTAs thinking this was going to be a two man race between AJ Parky, AJ Parker and, and Mike Hughes. Um, Hughes bring the, the, the battle is going to come out down to this. I think they probably keep two out of three of these guys. We managed to fit all three on the roster under 53, but I think they're only going to keep two or three of these guys. I think AJ Parker and Mike Hughes fight for the starting job. Parker brings, experience he's he played the position well last year he knows the system he knows his coaching staff he already beat the odds Mike Hughes also played well at the nickel last year he brings some outside versatility too so he'll have that edge up I think those two battle for the starting job I think the loser might be off the roster and I think they'll try to keep either one on the practice squad to me though Chase Lucas I think has absolutely earned his way onto the roster I mean I shouldn't say that you don't you don't earn jobs in June in May but I, I think he will absolutely earn his way onto the roster because he's so smart, because they want to develop him, and because he's going to bring it on special teams right away. So I just think that's a fascinating position to be watching during training camp. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can maybe wrap up any loose ends from that and get in a mailbag because I do think that, uh, hey, we've got plenty in and there's plenty of good questions this week. So we don't have the sack master with, with us. We will have to substitute in a sack master. We'll do that next on the Pride of Detroit QD cast.
Mail time. Hashtag ask POD as always get the questions in. not too many on the, on the hashtag anymore. I think we just wait for people to reply. But, yeah. uh, you know, hashtag is so like 2016. Anyway, I was about to say, when's the last hashtag you really used? Like every time I use a hashtag lately, if I go like hashtag lions. I always feel like I'm forcing the issue. Right. Like it just, I, it feels, it feels weird. Yeah. Just send us questions. We'll find them. Just we'll find them. Yell them. Just walk outside your front door and yell at pride we'll of Detroit. At yeah. Pride you have Detroit. to, you have to scream at pride of Detroit. But we'll no, the, exactly that word at pride of Detroit. <laughs> Yes. What are you thinking? Dominic and Sue's going to come back <laughs> like that. Uh, before we do that, we have passed over the 600 mark in yes, reviews on iTunes, making us the most reviewed Lions podcast out there. We didn't even just make that mark. We blew past it. I think right now we're at 610. Nice. So we're going to try to read slowly read. Through. We're going to get a few in each week. Yeah. Try to catch up, up and maybe that'll encourage people to keep reviewing. So Jeremy, by all means, the honors are yours. Yeah, let's start with uh, someone named Average Gatsby, which I really like. Says, uh, the title is Best Lines Podcast, Best Lines Content. Great coverage, thoughtful insight, and a, just a touch of Kool-Aid. As a diehard Lions fan living in Oregon, I'm so thankful to have found Pride of Detroit. Thanks for all the great work from this team. Appreciate you. Then we got Rock ND. Uh, calls it more than adequate. Mm. Listen to your podcast. All the time when I go to the gym, please boost Eric's volume level. I try, man. That that the, the uh, we get the we get some... lives. You have to realize we don't do them on the traditional mics that we do them. No, I'll 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 go back in and I'll play with the processing a little bit more. I yeah. I'm I'm usually the one that edits everything. I'll go back. I, I I give that to you, Rock Indie. I will go back and uh, try to streamline that uh, that workflow. We'll we'll yeah. try to fix that. Uh, goes on to say uh, your podcast is far by far the best. Love the insights and the jokes. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Rock and D. Uh, B. Golski, five stars as well, says, great, best Lions podcast. Love the birds chirping in the background, too. Who, who has the birds? Is that me or is that? That's, no, it, it, so it's it's Ryan typically during the Spotify lives because he does them out. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Get a little uh, nature in there. Yeah. Uh, last one from G. Boson. Uh, very quick, says, my favorite podcast, best Detroit Lions content out there you hear that jeremy we're content content we're content masters that's right just like we don't have a sack master here and we have to figure out how this is going to work um i guess i'll default and start taking questions sure so uh first off we got to start with nate simon at what simon says in spirit of baseball for detroit online jeremy what do you think who do you think has the most average yards per catch this year minimum of 30 catches you had to start with that one huh yeah, I do. Might as well say people like the jokes. We'll get them. We'll front load them. <laughs> hmm. Well, that, that I'm I'm a very basic level. That's actually a really good question because who's going to be their big play machine and who is going to cross that thirty catch threshold? Is I mean, I think the easy answer would be Jameson Williams. Does he reach thirty catches this year? I think probably. Um, don't really know. Other than that, I feel like you have to say. I mean, I want to say DJ Chark, but we just talked about how they're going to use him in a lot of different roles. That he's going to catch some shorter passes. He's going to catch some deep passes. Man, I, I don't think, know. I go go ahead. I I don't know if I have a good answer for this. Right. I think. I mean, if it's not JMO, I think the yak power puts Amon Ross St. Brown there. Nah, they throw it to him. I mean, what was it? It was ten point one last year. I I love Amon Ross, but his yak isn't actually that good quite yet. I mean, he had more yak than anyone else on the team, but. 
they throw it to him in such short yardage situations that yeah, it's rough. Like the modern NFL is a lot of short yardage, which brings it down. So I'm curious, like Josh Reynolds is kind of a, a dark horse on this one. He, he was first on the team last year, actually 16.1 average yards per catch, but he only had 19 catches. And so how, how many opportunities is he going to even have once James? Well, that's, back? that's 19 with seven games, seven games. Yeah. So, but, but he's not going to have his, I mean, when James back in the lineup, he's moving to the bench, right? Essentially. Or, you know, he's be the f- fourth guy. Coming I off behind Yeah. I shark and, and I'm on raw. That's true. I don't think mm-hmm. he's pushing either of those guys off. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I almost want to still say Josh Reynolds because I think he's going to get over 30 catches and he's, he's kind of a, a sneaky big play there. I, I think one thing to also consider is DJ is probably going to draw the CB one, right? He's going to be, the, the, the top cornerback on the other team is going to be on DJ Shark, so maybe that'll oper- open some opportunities. Maybe, but I, I was having this revelation the other the other day. Like we're not having corners shadowing guys anymore. They lock down sides of the field. They don't. Yeah. It doesn't really have a guy. That's it's hard on the corner too to constantly be changing sides of the field too. Like yeah. corners in today's modern NFL, there's no corner that just shadows one individual player. It happens less and less for sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, let's take this one from Jason Crowlick from at Crowlick, uh, which CB has the best season short and sweet. Uh, my answer has to be short and sweet. And it's, it's knowing me, this isn't a surprise. I'm taking the safe pick and it's Amani Oruarie. Um, he's healthy. He's not coming off from a devastating injury. And he was the line's best corner at the end of last season by far. Like he had made serious strides. And so, He's also entering entering a contract year. If you believe in, you know, performing well in contract years, things like that. But he's, I mean, he's the most reliable corner the Lions have right now. I want to believe in Jeff Okuda. I've been part of the Jeff Okuda hype train for two off seasons running now, but I can't, I can't sit here and tell you he's going to be the Lions' best corner next year. I have to go with with Orwari. I want to give like a crazy answer out there, but I really can't. Yeah. Will Harris. Sometimes it's no, stop it. <laughs> I'm just having a little troll just for fun. <laughs> having a little troll just for fun. All right. Uh, let's see here. I don't have too many questions. I'm going to start like fishing for more as we're going through, but um, these, these two kind of come together and I feel like they're two interesting questions. So I'll start with this one first from AJ at big West 15. We've talked a lot about player development going into this year, but what development do you, do we need to see from Dan Campbell going into year two? So we, we talked about this. Someone asked a, a similar question on, on the Spotify live. Um, and to me, I guess it for Dan Campbell specifically, um, it just has to be managing critical situations, right? Because the lines weren't pretty good. They weren't very good at all during late game scenarios, end of half scenarios, fourth downs, third downs. Um, they were pretty poor in that situation. And you can't put it all on Dan Campbell, but um, in terms of maintaining his composure, because the one thing that continues to concern me about Dan Campbell, it's one of the very few things that, that do concern me is that he always says he goes with his gut. And to me, that means he can You're not get, much of a gut guy. I'm not. I'm very much a do things by the book 
go, go by the numbers, go by the formula, go by the proven method and not go with the flow of the game necessarily. And so when, you know, when the game is close, the sideline is rowdy. The players are are emotional. The, the coaches are emotional. We, we see them get involved. And sometimes that can lead to poor decisions that, or, or decisions which you, you aren't thinking properly. We saw it, I think, one time. I don't remember which game it was where it was third and one. The Lions ran the ball, didn't make it. Dan Campbell made them hustle to the line, run the exact same play, and it didn't work. Those are the things that I need to see him improve on where the lines are in this very important, very dramatic moment. And I need to, I need to see Dan Campbell not get lost in the emotions of a moment. I think that's fair. I think, um, I, I don't want him to be more guarded with his words, but at the same time, like <laughs> you're not going to get it either way. <laughs> no, I know. I know. But like, I, I just keep thinking back to kind of the role we had, over Jared go over the Jared Goff comments. Right. Um, just not, I mean, it, it matters very little in the grand scheme of things, but man, sometimes, sometimes dealing with it after, after the fact can just be, I hate to use the distraction word, but he, he's put his foot in his mouth more than, more than a few times in his first year. And I think it just goes unnoticed nationally. The, the Jared Goff one obviously did get noticed nationally, but like, I don't know. He had those comments about how he thought it was kind of like a whimsical story when he was like, yeah, we had an alcoholic, but you know, once he stepped through the doors, he was fine. And so we were cool with it. Like that's, that's a very rough and not fair paraphrasing of it, but that whole story was not as whimsical as he thought it was, where it was just like, kind of just saying like, if you're a functional alcoholic, we'll have you. That's not good. But I was going to say you're getting that's the thing. Like when you're getting earnest Dan Campbell, 100 percent of the time, he's going to say some things that are like, are you sure you wanted to say that in front of a microphone? Sometimes it's going to be no. (laughs) I think he gets a little bit of that from uh, Cower. If I if I was going to Parcells, too, right? Parcells, excuse me. I didn't mean Cower. I meant Parcells. I get those two. For whatever reason, those two flip flop in my head. So I'm being adequate again. But like. Parcells also would say a lot of things that just you you just kind of look at it afterwards like wait what <laughs> right so um, and this this again kind of goes with it as I said the second question from Abdullah Magoob what would need to happen this season that we start deeply questioning Campbell slash Holmes as an era that's a good one um, it's only year two so I don't know if there's something. Here's, here's what I'll say. I don't think there's going to be anything that happens this year that would make me lose faith in Brad Holmes simply because it's too early. Two years in a GM's career, way too early. We, I, we will we'll be able to barely be able to make any really assumptions about his first draft class, let alone a second. Dan Campbell, on the other hand, I mean, if this team... I, I hate putting win totals because I always context matters if, if this team wins four games but jared goff gets injured in the first i don't know if that's that's really that much of a of a failure of a season but at the same time like i have I don't, i'm not gonna say high hopes for this team but i'm gonna be at least a little disappointed if they don't win at least six this year so i think that's where the bar starts now deeply questioning this era 
is three wins or less, right? Like if they don't, if they go backwards from three wins and a tie, then you're like, okay, why isn't this getting better? This, the, the roster is undoubtedly better than it was last year. If they're not winning as many games as last year, then you can start questioning them. Um, you know, and that if, if we're just talking performance-based stuff and not like scandal or, you know, they do something really, yeah, really I, I was, I was looking for this. So under Zach Taylor, Bengals were two, two and 14, then four, 11 and one. Right. So not that big of a jump. Well, I, I'm just, and I'm just saying then the next year it's 10 and seven. So right. like my point there is like, even by win totals, I don't think you can shake me off of Dan Campbell. Like it would have to be something a little more, not quite in the scandal realm, but like you have to lose the locker room somehow. Right. And, and or, when it comes, when it comes to Brad Holmes, I think I've got something in mind. It's like, you just completely botch the Jared handling Jared Goff at this point in the sense that like, you're going, I mean, I'm not going to rule out sticking with Jared Goff completely, but I think a lot of people would be disappointed if they stick with Jared Goff, unless he just absolutely has a return to form. And even then, as I've said before, like, how do I know that's just not another flash in the pan? Like yeah. lions, it would behoove the lions to move towards a young long-term solution. And they should not shut themselves off from that while they still have the window of two first round draft picks. Right. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, going back to, to Dan, like it, it would have to be games that are clearly his fault that they lost. Right. Like he, he makes some sort of egregious error with a timeout or, you know, throws a, a tantrum on the sideline and gets a, a personal foul penalty that ends the game or something like that, which, that, that's not Dan Campbell's MO at all. So I, I doubt yeah. that happens, but it, it goes back to that thing that I just talked about, like those critical moments in the game that he needs to get better. He wasn't awful at them last year, but they popped up here and there. If those continue and cost Lions football games, well then, yeah, then that's when the doubt starts creeping in. But I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like I don't foresee anything happening that like they're entering like hot, hot, hot seat in 2023. I don't, I don't no. think that's going to happen. That would be a no. little premature. Yeah. Um, never say never though. No, that's fair. Okay. Uh, I know this one isn't on our list. I, uh, but trying to get to this one before we get to a couple others, uh, Jeff Hude at one pride lifer. I was curious with the lions being so thin at tight end, especially the receiving type. Why not resign Hunter Bryant? Or was there an injury behind his release? I believe he was released with an injury. Does I have to? I would have to double check that. You kind of put right. me on the spot there. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. <clears throat> uh, why don't we move then to this next question? But I mean, like they are thin on the receiving type. But I mean, that's kind of why they're trying out Devin Funches too. But also, like you don't need that many receiving type tight ends. I believe. Like you've got T.J. Hawkinson. You just need more verse. And that's not in this this team's mo is to go heavy on the receiving tight ends either they want there it's clear that what they're looking for on tight ends are versatile block versatile tight ends who can also block yeah for sure so. because yeah i mean typically a team only carries three or four right right and so when one goes down you're never going to have like oh this guy fills that role like you want your reserve guys to be as versatile as possible so they can fill in for one or the other essentially of, of te1 and te2 so I'm um, not sure Hunter Bryant was going to be that guy, even if he was healthy. Yeah. 
All right. Um, let's move on to this one because Ryan isn't here, and I know that Jeremy loves to talk about gambling. Um, Joe Sanchez, JSJR0313, asks us to make thoughts. He wants our thoughts on these bets he made ahead of this upcoming season. First win for the Lions, Commanders. Lions That's division. Week That's week two. Lions division finish position, second. Lions regular season division wins over two and a half. Dan Campbell coach the year. NFC order going Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit, Chicago. And then he hedges it with another NFC North order, Green Bay, Detroit, Minnesota, Chicago. So basically Green Bay and Chicago last in both. First and last in both. And yeah, Detroit and Minnesota. So I like that. I, I mean, obviously, without odds, I don't know what sort of payouts. Were yeah, yeah, I don't know what the payouts on it. I don't know if this is a parlay. Um, I'm not saying I'm guaranteeing Green Bay's first and Chicago's last, but I think that's the fairest of bets you can make. The safest. Yeah, I, I've heard some people jumping on the idea of Minnesota being a sneaky one in the division, but I just I'm sorry, I don't think a coach fixes that team. I could be wrong, but they're usually wrong in the NFL. I, but like, I think the problem is they they haven't been horrible. Like they've they've been a pretty average team for the past ten yeah, years. Yeah, but it's like their 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 quarterback is at best average. He's also the and second best quarterback in the division, though. I know, but that's that, that's what we're talking about, though. Second, but best. that's that's an aging defense, and Dalvin Cook can't stay healthy. That's fair. Okay, and Dalvin Cook's a big part of their offense. Sure. Um, I don't know if I'm buying on biting on Dan Campbell coach of the year. No, I know everyone jumped on that because they were long odds and, and suddenly his odds are, are much better because everyone is putting their money on. Listen, like if the Lions make the playoffs, I don't, I don't think the Lions making a wild card would even be enough for him to win it. If I'm being completely honest, I, there's probably going to be I, like a 15 and two team that gets it. I'm going to be honest, like the intelligentsia of the NFL being what it is. I feel like it's a dead heat between Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, whichever one has the better season. It's just usually when you get a team that only has one or two losses at the end of the season, they're, they're in consideration. Or like a, a, a someone who wins double digit wins and like completely flips a division on its head. Right. So yeah, if the Lions win the division, Dan Campbell is in the top three discussion. No yeah. question. Not, I'm not going to hand it to him necessarily, but I, I wasn't I just, even thinking I, of the Lions. Gonna, I was, I was trying to win the division. Of, that's, yeah, that's I, I just, what I'm trying to say. I was trying to think of another like if the Raiders suddenly pop out and win that like stacked AFC West, like it goes to Josh McDaniels, right? Like that—that's the example I was trying to come up with. Yeah. Um, let's see your division wins over. So basically, three division wins. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't touch that one. Yeah. Personally, fair enough. division games are tough to predict. And while I think they could, you know, sweep the bears and split with the Vikings and, and that's all you'd need. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't put money on. Yeah. It's been rough sledding for the division wins for the lions lately. It has. So that's all I really have on that one. Um, last question here. Well, last year they got two. They beat the bears. One. No, they didn't beat the bears at all. Right. They got, I think they only got, I think they, they only got the Minnesota win, man. No, they beat the Green Bay. That, oh, Green they, Bay. So it would have been two wins. Yeah. Oh, right. In Minnesota last second. That's yeah, right. yeah. So Minnesota <clears throat> Green, because it was Minnesota Green Bay and Arizona are the wins, right? Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> um, let's see here. I want to do one last question. Excuse me for the um. Uh, LJ B. Ruff, Justin Bro, 
chiming in. Would you sacrifice the tip of your pinky Ronnie Lott style for the Lions to win a Super Bowl? No. <laughs> no. The fact that I almost already did sacrifice my pinky and got nothing from it. Uh, no. It... <laughs> Going back to the Accusa again, it would have to be a clean chop. <laughs> I know it's mostly a joke question, but I'm answering it seriously because I don't know. I don't want to talk about my pinky. <laughs> No, I mean that's fine. Listen, I I want it really bad. I'm not I get a bargain on you that's to d- deform myself in any sort of way, even if it is as minor as losing a tip of my pinky. I think we're done. I think we made it. We made it. We did a good pod. <laughs> we did good. Any more notes for us? Uh, no first bite this week because we uh, Jeremy's going on vacation. I need sleep. And uh, let's see what else. Oh, and, and Ryan had a great baby. Ryan so, is continuing to have his great baby. Yep. So we're holding off first bite this week. We'll try to do something in its place, but no promises right now. That depends on several factors of my schedule. Uh, and I don't know what else, Jeremy. Are we coming up close to... Listcast season or Listcast is probably coming close. I mean, we we gotta get working on behind the scenes on that probably pretty soon here. Um, but Spotify Lives will continue to go on. And yeah, just um, check prideofdetroit.com for updates. That's right, baby. For myself, for Jeremy Reisman, only two of us this time. But either way, we will see you star side. Oh.